Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great job. Thanks so much indeed. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's sometimes uh, helpful just to be reminded about how uh, things connect together. You, you might be forgiven for thinking sometimes that... Uh, uh, the church meeting and where does that fit in? So, for example, on Tuesday at the church meeting, one of the things that we really want to agree together is to release some funds, funds that we already have, uh, to Arena and Dima, uh, in order to help them in the transition, uh, that they're about to enter as a couple, as a ministry, uh, and as a family. So, for that reason, maybe alone, uh, join us on Tuesday for our church meeting. That would be, uh, really great. Bullington, big day out. It was a good big day out everybody. Thank you ever so much for showing up, turning up, helping out, uh, preparing stuff, serving, loving, making the day everything that it was. Uh, uh, we, launched a, we launched a new website just by the way during the morning. Uh, if you haven't found that yet, that's Bullington.Church. Everything you need to know about all that's going on here, uh, not just today or tomorrow, but months ahead. You can find out when the church meeting is in the autumn and exciting things like that. Who doesn't want to know that before they have their lunch? So you Bullington.Church and all of it's there and uh, much more besides and we'll continue to build it up as we go. It's Mr. Mark Richardson's birthday today, everybody. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Turn around, everybody. Happy birthday, dear Mark. Happy birthday to you. Hip, hip. Great. Thanks, Mark, for all that you uh, do to love and serve us in this place. So welcome everybody, Helen's back from Australia and some of you have just come from home and we're all together for the last and final, final message in this series, Transforming Truth. But do not fear, there'll be another one series that is just around the corner. And if you're bored of this one, then there's much more to come. So much more where all of that came from and uh, we'll get going with that in two weeks time. Much better than that. Whatever pressure is in your life and mine, the Bible encourages us to look up. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is already seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your thinking, your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. For many of us, heaven doesn't necessarily offer us the comfort that the Bible seems to suggest that it should. In fact, heaven can create a certain nervousness or anxiety to say 
the least. A pastor, no less, expressed it like this. Whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. I'd rather cease to exist when I die. Why would any Christian feel like that, we might ask. Not exactly what you would expect from a pastor. But he goes on, I can't stand the thought of that endless tedium. To float around in the clouds with nothing to do but strum a harp. It's also terribly boring. He goes on, heaven, dot, 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 doesn't sound much better than hell, dot, dot, dot. How different, though, the Apostle Paul, who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, I'm perplexed, and this is what he puts here, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but then there's all this to do. In the meantime, Paul was so liberated by the reality of what was coming that he became in his ordinary, everyday, earthly life an unstoppable force. Do with me whatever you wish, because one day, because one day, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, writes the writer to the Hebrews, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And listen, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The Bible speaks of this living reality to live now with a sense of freedom, no longer enslaved by the fear of death itself. But my pastoral experience would suggest that many of us find this difficult. I'm having a crack at pastors and pastors and vicars. Another quote from a I imagine him, this is unfair, an old English vicar. That's just how I uh, imagine him. Um, When asked what he expected after death, when it comes to it, I suppose I shall enter, he says, the eternal bliss. But I really wish you wouldn't bring up such depressing subjects. (laughs) How have we moved so far from the reality of which the Bible speaks? Or or even the reality, the experience of those early disciples that were under intense pressure and persecution at times. And maybe that is why the catacombs are filled with amazing, beautiful landscapes of heaven, children playing, and the promise of feasting and banquets. But we can be miles away from that. We agree, I think, with John Eldridge, the writer and author. Nearly every Christian I've spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. (laughs) We've settled on an image of a never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. And our hearts sink. Forever and ever. That's it. That's the good news. And then we sigh and feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. We lose heart. We turn once more to the present to find what life we can. The other dominant impression people have is that heaven is somehow less real, less kind of solid 
and firm. I mean, earth is solid and firm, but heaven is kind of vague and misty and floaty. With everything in kind of soft focus. Like the clouds, you can see it, but when you reach out, you can't quite touch it. We act particularly like that, I think, in our language. That this life is real, but what's to come is somehow less than the reality that we know. So, when I die, will you be careful how you speak about my death? Do not say, I've fallen asleep. I have no intention of sleeping. When I get there, just so you know, there will be loads of people to meet and questions to ask. So many things that I've wanted to do here on earth, but the opportunity will not avail me here in my however many years it will turn out to be. So when I get there, that's what I'm doing. I'm not sleeping. Will my ability to love, to relate, to laugh, to know, to create, to design, to feel, to sense, to give, to receive, to serve, all be gone? No. In this glorious new world, they will be more alive and more fired up, free from sin and ready to go. So don't say Simon's entered his eternal rest. I'm not resting even in peace. I'll take the peace, but I'm not up for resting. It'll be the last thing on my mind. Imagine the place you've always dreamed of going and never thought you would get there to see it, to touch it, to feel it and experience it. And suddenly, unexpectedly, out of the blue, this opportunity of a lifetime availed itself to you. But when you got there, you stayed in your hotel room and never saw the place you had longed for. When you get to heaven, this most fantastic place that is yours to enjoy and explore, where at every turn your heart will be thrilled, at every moment your breath will be as if taken away in a good sense, no one is going to say, I think I'll stay in and watch the omnibus of EastEnders this afternoon. And finally, please don't say Simon has passed away. As if somehow Simon is less real then than he is now. I will be more real than I am now. I will be more alive than I am now. I will be more wide awake than I am now. More alert. My senses more engaged. My passions more stood. My heart more pounding than I've ever been in this sinful, crippled, fallen world. We're like you. I've only limped along. But then I'll be free. And then I will dance. Now we see but a poor reflection as in the mirror. Then we will see face to face. I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Whatever else will have happened, I won't have passed away as much as you might wish that to be the case. Heaven is beyond our imagining. No eye has seen or ear heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I love this verse and the next one that I've just jotted on the end. This idea that it's so amazing you can't imagine it. But then it says, But God 
has revealed it to us by his spirit. In other words, we can get a glimpse. We can get an understanding. We can make a connection. It is beyond anything that we can imagine. But that doesn't mean we do not understand it. It doesn't mean we cannot relate to it or, or connect with it. There are many connections that the Bible gives us. For example, then I saw a, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we all know what earth is like, don't we? So we have a starting point. We, we have a measure. Imagine for a moment a new earth recreated in its perfect sense and all that we know about the goodness of God. And we begin to glimpse what heaven might be like. You see, most people look up to see what heaven is like. And it's just clouds and it's somewhere way out beyond. No, no, look around. And imagine what this is like when it's all been put back together again. Imagine what it's like without sin and without death. And without fear, and without shame, and without suffering, and without corruption. Imagine all this renewed and restored. He's making everything new. The flowers unwilting. The grass undying. The blue sky unpolluted. People smiling and joyful, free from anger, depression, or emptiness. Envision the most beautiful place, whatever that is for you, the the palm trees or the raging rivers or the jagged mountains or the waterfalls or the snowdrifts. Where are you right now? Picture family and friends together, walking, laughing, loving, caring, reminiscing, joy abounding. Imagine your body free from every decay or disease. Imagine your body powerful and beautiful. Look at me now, that will help. Imagine that. Imagine all those bits of your body that some of you loathe about yourself being beautiful, not just to others, but also to you. To look yourself in the eye and go, you're beautiful today. Imagine no embarrassment, no shame, no guilt, no self-consciousness, no crippled self-esteem. Imagine and then suddenly someone is approaching whose warmth and radiance you can sense and feel even before they've come into view. His arms open wide. His face beaming and you fall to worship and time stands still. And after a moment that could be an eternity, he lifts you into his embrace. You've never felt so fully yourself as you do right now. You're with the one you were made for, in the place you were made for. And what's that smell? There's a feast, a banquet, a party up ahead. You're invited. Everyone is genuinely pleased that you are there. In a world where people can't imagine what heaven's like, I think it's time to tell them that we can. And maybe it's time to change our language. You see, I don't really want to fall asleep. 
or to rest in peace or to pass away. But I do want to be the person this world has never fully let me be. I do want to live the life this world has stopped me living. And I do want to be the one this world has sep- with the one that this world has separated me from. To be with the person, to be the person I was made to be in the place that I was made for and with the one that I was created always to be with. No wonder the Bible says it will be like going home. Home. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house, the home of the Lord forever. In my Father's home, there are many rooms. Home is where I'm loved and accepted. Home is where my needs are met. It's where I can lay my burdens down. It's a place I can run to when I'm discouraged or frightened or under pressure or hurt or disappointed or anxious or just worn out. It's where I can be refreshed in my body and in my spirit. Home is where I can wear the clothes that don't quite fit and I'm not allowed to wear outside. Home is where the food is what I like. Where the people and relationships that matter most are known. Home is the reference point from which every other place in life is measured. And we know that sense of of being home, don't we? If you've slept somewhere for a while, somewhere else, and you get that first night back in your own bed. It could be a bed of nails, couldn't it? But you love it. It's yours. Somehow your body just embraces it. You've been abroad and you've eaten all kinds of things you can't even name. And then you have meat and two veg and Yorkshire pudding and you know that you're home. If you spent five hours getting up the A12, that long hot bath, and you are home. Now I'm very aware that home is nothing like that for some of us. For some of us, home is a place where we can't be ourselves. Home is a place that's demanding and not refreshing. It's the place where we live, but even in our own homes, we feel far from home. But our true home will be everything that all of us long for home to be, plus a thousand more. Samuel Morrison was a missionary in Africa, served there for 25 years. And it so happened that he traveled home back to the States on the same ocean liner as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was simply coming back from a three-week hunting expedition in Africa. When the great ship pulled up into New York Harbor, it was jammed with people waiting for the president's return. Bands were playing and banners were being waved. Choirs of children were singing. Balloons were in the air and flashbulbs were popping. And Mr. Roosevelt stepped down from the gangplank to thunderous applause, showered with confetti and ticker tape. If the crowd had been not restrained by the ropes and police, he would have been mobbed. At that same time, Samuel Morrison, on a different gangplank, walked off the boat. No one was there to greet him. 
he slipped through the crowd completely unnoticed. Because of the people to see the president, he couldn't even find a cab. And inside his heart, he began to complain. Lord, how come this president has been in Africa for three weeks killing animals? And when he comes home, the whole world is out to greet him. I've given 25 years serving you, and no one has greeted me or even knows I'm here. In the quietness of his heart, a gentle, loving voice whispered, My dear child, you're not home yet. Here are some things about the home that awaits you. It's been prepared for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. So that was about 2,000 years ago. This will took six days. On that law of averages, heaven's going to be pretty good. He knocked this up in six days. 2,000 years of preparation. This world with all its beauty and all delight, yet but a flicker of all that is coming. It could have been a job for the angels, I guess. But I love the way it says, I am going to prepare a place for you. It's, it's that personal. It's that connected. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as beautifully, sorry, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Prepared as a bride. Wow, that takes a bit of doing, doesn't it, Jane? Preparing for your daughter's wedding in a few weeks' time. Every detail, the clothes, the underclothes, the nails, the hair, the makeup, the headdress, the jewellery, the shoes, the accessories, the flowers, no expense paired. Every detail talked about and deliberated over and talked about and deliberated over again. All that effort so that when the bride walks into the room, the husband will go. Husbands, you go, wow. And you practice that, boys just in case she looks like the back end of a tractor. Wow! Who said that about the tractor? All that effort God is putting into heaven. And that day we will go, just like a husband in the presence of his beautiful bride, we will go, wow! This has been made, created, prepared for us. It's a home that welcomes you. A home that welcomes you. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me. To be where I am. You might have created for yourself a beautiful home. you with me? But you don't want everyone to join you there, do you? It's different in heaven. This beautiful home. And the longing for us to be there with him. To welcome us into his home. Your nameplate is on the door. Honestly, your name's on the door. Your name, called the Book of Life, is just written in the, the sort of roll of passes. You know, you go into the, to the office environment and, and you say, I'm here and this is my name. And they look to see if you can get it. Your name is in the book. Your place is already laid at the table. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? 
It's in a sense, I think, a dishonor, and I'm speaking as much to myself, that we don't think about it as much as perhaps we should. Maybe this life is too comfortable and we cling to it too tightly. Home is a perfect place, made perfect for you. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. You've heard me talk about this before. Um, well, the, 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 I think there will be sea in heaven, by the way. But, but the idea about there'll be no longer any sea, the sea was, was symbolic in ancient culture for that which was to be ultimately feared and that which separates you. So you imagine in, in, in ancient times, the sea was a proper barrier. And it killed a lot of people. It wasn't very safe to go in your little wooden boat with the little oars and stuff. Sea was a tragic place that separated and divided the world. And it's like there's, there's going to be none of this ugly stuff that separates and divides everything. Somehow it will all be perfected and put back together. And so we think about the things that divide and separate. There'll be, hey, no hard feelings in heaven. There'll be no hurt feelings in heaven. There'll be no misunderstandings in heaven. There'll be no critical spirits in heaven. There'll be no divorce, no death, no piles of rubbish or prisons of debris, no business trips or military call-ups, no sickness or weakness, no dangers or hardships, no fires or famines or floods, no wars or refugee camps or ethnic cleansing, no racial or political or religious prejudice, no religions nor poles or denominations, no Brexit, just slip that in, no class system or economic sanctions, so check that you were listening, or human slavery. And so you could go on, you can make your own list of things that won't be there anymore. And, and, and he's going to make, it says, everything new, recreated, all the scars of sin will be healed, of guilt, of abuse, of shame, of disappointment, of regrets, of hurts. Everything, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, our psyches, our memories need to be recreated, to be made new, both past, present and future, all healed up. Hallelujah. God not distant above it all, but wiping the tears from our eyes. No more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The old order. And we can make lists as long as our arm and perhaps sometimes we should. No more of the old order. No more suffering physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, socially, spiritually. No more pain. No more hospitals, can't even say it, or death, or funerals, or grief. No more Zimmer frames, commodes, wheelchairs, bed hoists. No more suicide bombers. No more fiery infernos. No more broken homes and broken hearts. No more broken lives, broken dreams. No more mental illness, physical handicaps. No more muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, no more blindness, deafness, disease or sickness, no more heart disease, no more Parkinson's, diabetes, arthritis, cataracts, paralysis, no more cancer, strokes or AIDS, no more guns in schools, bombs in cars, terrorists, missiles or airstrikes, no more. You'll have to get used to living without that lot. It's a dream, isn't it? That is becoming a reality. Trouble is, if you went there, you'd spoil it, right? Yeah, I'm worried about you going because you'd muck it up. You might have the same concerns about me, but it would be rude to say them out loud. So it's a home he cleanses you, us, for. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Sin is such a 
tiresome disease, isn't it? Sin gets everywhere. But he's making everything new. And listen to what it says. In that day we shall see him and we shall be like him. Now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I will be free from my sinful tendencies. I thought you might have given a bigger hallelujah to that. I will be free from my sinful actions. I'll be free from my sinful attitudes, habits, thoughts, words, feelings. All those things in me that rob me of the life I was meant to live. A perfect home made perfect for me where God lives. My father's house. You know, there are some houses you go in and you can see the imprint of the owner or owners all over it. In my father's house, this house is dominated, overwhelmed by the father's presence. The father's presence is so real, so vibrant, so alive that you no longer need the sun. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. The Father and Son will light up the whole of the heavens. Isaiah was way before his time. He was in the Old Testament, but he was cheekily getting excited, not only about the new, but about the not yet. And he writes, anticipating, The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Maybe you like to dance. Maybe you like to dance, but you can't dance. And you know that above the dance floor, no, you don't. Good, because you've never been to dance clubs, because that's naughty and wrong. I'm joking. So let me explain to you. In a dance club, you might have a, a, a ball above the dance floor, which like reflects all of the light. So the dance floor gets flooded with light like a diamond that uh, refracts the light all around the room. It's a pretty pathetic kind of visual age, aid, but, but it describes something like that in Revelation. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Wow. No wonder it's a home full of praise. I love the fact, though, that we're told that there won't be a temple there. It's all right, chaps, no church. That's what it says. I did not see a temple in the city. All of us who think it's going to be a long, unending service will spake several epochs of eternity looking for the church, and you won't find it. It's not there. Just enjoy, chill, because everything will be praise and worship. Every, every act, every thought, every moment will get back into its proper place. And give glory to the God who created it all. You'll be lost in love, wonder, and praise. It's not always like that on earth, is it? You know, you have these moments, these glimpses when you, you kind of see life and, and all that God is doing. I remember coming back from uh, a trip to Romania. This is uh, years ago when the kids were small. 
And uh, uh, I had preached at uh, Providence Baptist Church, our kind of relational church in Bucharest. And they had baptized 17 people that morning. And I was just buzzing about what God could do uh, through a local church, which looked just like ours in a different part of, uh, of, of Europe. And so I'm kind of full of this. And I've just driven back from, from the airport. It's fairly late into the evening. And I pull into the drive and I open the front door. And Kerry says, just in time, and hands me a kid with fresh vomit dripping down its front. We're not always lost in love and wonder of praise. But in those moments when we glimpse it, it is but what the, 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 Paul talks about the Holy Spirit and as a guarantee of what is to come. It is a sign of the now as we long for the not yet. And so even in those moments of glimpsing, we are propelled forward. This is what's coming. And in these moments when it's all falling apart, we are equally propelled forward because it will not always be like this because we are not yet home. And so it will be a place full of joy, unsurprising. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, the eternal pleasures at your right hand, a home to bring us together every tribe, nation, people, language, every people group. You know, it breaks it right down. It's not just all of those who happen to be English or all of those who are in Christ who are Welsh, although it will be those for sure. But, it, but it's like, you know, all, all the little groups, all those kind of strange people who wear their hair spiked up in Christ, they'll be there. All the ones with earrings that love Jesus, they'll be there. All the, whatever it is, they'll be there. Like everywhere, all over this planet where people are responding to Jesus, they'll all be there. They'll all be there. Heaven's not a solo place, but a gathering place. We'll not simply be absorbed into a vast, amorphous whole, but I'll be me and you'll be you. And I'll meet you there. All right? There's this brilliant quote from Billy Graham that I should have written down and I haven't about chatting. I think it was him chatting to someone and he says, I'll meet you at the East Gate. So if you're not sure where to find me, let's go for the East Gate. No idea what that means, but we'll find out when we get there. Okay, see you at the East Gate. I'll be having a McFlurry. (laughs) Don't get to do that as much as I'd like on earth. Plenty of time for that. McFlurry, mate. Dairy milk. Don't muck about with McFlurries. Don't get tempted by the special offers. Dairy milk. East Gate. See you there. The thing is, you know when something good happens, what are most of you nervous about when something good starts happening? Yeah, it'll go wrong. It'll come to an end. It'll fall apart. That's one of our biggest fears, isn't it? That it it won't last. Oh, there'll be something else around the corner that'll rob us, that'll that'll take it away. There'll be a sudden bit of bad news. It'll all go terribly wrong. This is a home that's protected and safe with great high walls and 12 gates. This is a a place where God's going to hem us in and keep us safe. No need for childproof caps on medicines. Chemicals don't need to be out of reach. You don't need to put your seatbelt on. Hands held tightly. That's in heaven, not going home. Hands held tightly as we walk on the pavement. No more. You won't have to shout at your kids to beware of the drug barons. You won't have to shout at your kids to not walk on the road or to put their fingers in the electric sockets and all the other clever things that kids do. Have kids, they said. It'll be fun. No, it's a nightmare. (laughs) Trying to get them through to teenage years. Honest. Heaven is protected from incurable diseases. 
Now, beautiful thing. Heaven is protected from untimely death. Heaven is protected from financial failure, from social injustice, political oppression, chemical warfare, mysterious disappearances, drug addiction, stock market, stock market fluctuations, violent robberies, business bankruptcy, military invasion, natural disaster. It's all safe for you. Perfected for you. Property programs are all the rage, aren't they? Maybe they're not anymore. don't know. They used to be all the rage. Are they still popular? And um, the, the bottom line is not whether you'd want to live there. You know that you'd want to live there. The bottom line is the what? Is the price. The bottom line is the price. I, I, I was made to live in that house. You ever felt like that? Yes. You drive past, you go, that was, that was my, in another life, that was my house. Just doesn't happen to be my house now. A home bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. A home purchased with the blood, no less, of Jesus himself. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their our humanity so that by his death, He might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See you at the East Gate, more fully alive than we might ever imagine this side. There's confidence and encouragement of what is to come. To have a spring in your step, knowing that this is not the end, but this is just the journey. Our home is to come. Next few minutes, in silence, let's just embrace the fact of what's to come. Let's just be secure in it, secure in our destiny, secure in our home. No need to fear death. The battle has been won. We are on the winning side. We are victorious. Lord, help us to just be secure in that, God. Help us to know that you're waiting for us. You're preparing our home for us. Now some of this journey might suck, but this is not it's not the home, it's just the journey. And help us not to just keep this prize, this home to ourselves, but to share it, share the truth, share the powerful message and the powerful love that is heaven to people who just can't even imagine it, God. Equipped us. Thank you, God. Thank you for preparing for each of us. Thank you that everything is for us. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that you've shown up, shown up through sharing your home with us, God. Help us be secure in that.